You're listening to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M, where she breaks down the nitty gritty basics of nursing concepts. All right, hello and welcome to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M. In today's episode, I'm going to try to break down the nitty gritty nursing basics of pericarditis. And pericarditis is inflammation of the pericardial sac, which is the pericardium, and that's a double-layered sac that surrounds the heart and anchors the heart to the mediastinum, protecting it from infection, lubricating the heart while it beats, etc., etc. So when we get pericarditis, it involves inflammation of that actual pericardium, and Blood or other fluid can leak in between the pericardium and the heart and inflammation occurs. So there's two versions of this. Pericarditis can either be acute or chronic in nature. Acute pericarditis usually lasts for someone gets it and they have it for six weeks or less. And that is the most common uh, type of pericarditis. You can develop chronic pericarditis with a chronic inflammatory thickening of the pericardium. So over time, because it's so inflamed and thickened all the time, it results in the loss of pericardial elasticity and that chronic nature of it, if not treated or if treated and then it just keeps coming back, it can develop into what we call constrictive pericarditis, where the pericardium thickens so much that it starts compressing the heart because it's nice and elastic. So as the heart pumps, it's you know decompressing the atriums and the ventricles. Well, when the pericardium is chronic in nature and thickens, those um, vessels can no the you know the ventricles can no longer expand and fill completely, and so then. They can't fill properly means we cannot produce, we can't pump blood out correctly. Our, uh, you know, cardiac output reduces and badness happens. This can actually lead to heart failure. It can lead to cardiac tamponade that could potentially even result, especially if the fluid inside the pericardium is not addressed and it just really squeezes down on the heart and prevents it from appropriately contracting. So... There's two types of the pericarditis. You can have um, that inflammation that occurs can either be fibrous or a dry pericarditis, or it can be effusive. And if it's effusive pericarditis, that means that there's some sort of purulent or serous or bloody exudate that is actually filling and irritating the pericardium, which is causing it to become inflamed. There are certain risk factors for the development of pericarditis. One of them is males, anyone who's had a previous cardiac surgery or a heart attack, um, patients who are on dialysis those who have autoimmune diseases, anyone who's had viral bacterial infections or those with Dressler's syndrome. And Dressler's syndrome can occur following a heart attack. Um, It can occur following heart surgery or some other invasive procedure, um, like a cardiac ablation, an invasive procedure specific to the heart um, that can occur. And it's the exact cause is not well known. And it's thought to be the result of the immune system response following the injury or damage of the heart cells or the pericardium. And when the injury or damage occurs, the heart, the cardiac antigens are released, activating the immune response system, which results in inflammation of the pericardium. 
So Dresler's syndrome, if you ever see that on your nursing school tests, it's a just a form of pericarditis or that inflammation of the pericardium. Um, and so, and again, it occurs after some sort of damage to the heart, like a heart attack or an ablation or some sort of even trauma could elicit this immune response. There is often a triad of signs that patients will have when they are developing pericarditis. And the triad of signs is going to be chest pain, worse with deep breathing or breathing in. They will also have a pericardial friction rub. So when you put your stethoscope on their chest, you can actually hear like a a rubbing sound every time the heart beats. And then they'll also have serial EKG changes. And that makes sense because as the pericardium inflames itself and the heart is altered in its ability to naturally pump, the EKG that we are looking at is just the electrical conduit of the heart from the SA node to the AV node down the bundle of his and into the Purkinje fibers. And if the pericardium is squeezing or irritating or, you know, encroaching in on the heart's ability to appropriately contract, you will see some sort of change in the EKG pattern that is. So, If we think about the pie analogy, how do these patients present and what are we going to find essentially in our assessment when we're looking at them? Well, individuals who get pericarditis are going to have pain, (laughs) chest pain, specifically in the front of their chest that often then radiates to the left side of the neck and the shoulder and the back. Um, And that's because of how the heart's positioned more on the left side. They're also that pain, they'll describe it as like this grating kind of pain. It's aggravated by breathing with specifically the inspiration. Uh, When they cough, because the lungs are then, you know, jolting around where the heart sits, it's going to cause pain. They'll also tell us that the pain is much worse when they're in the supine or laying back position. And the pain is actually relieved as they say, forward. So if you envision the heart as a tomato inside of the tomato cage, which is the thorax with the ribs being the actual cage, when you have a really inflamed heart and pericardium and the heart is beating, it doesn't get a chance to take a break and you lay it completely back in that tomato cage, basically the tomato falls to the back of the cage a little bit. That inflamed heart is going to be sitting on the back of the spinous processes. And now every time that it beats, the inflamed pericardium is going to feel that. So that's why in the supine position, they have more pain. They're also going to have a pericardial friction rub, which is defined as like a scratchy, high-pitched sound that's heard on auscultation and is produced literally by the rubbing of the inflamed pericardial layers. Now, because this is all happening, these patients are going to feel terrible. They're not going to feel the greatest. They might have a fever and chills. They might feel super fatigued and with some malaise. They're likely also to have an elevated white blood cell count because of the immune response of the inflammatory process that's occurring with the pericardium. And then again, on their EKG, the changes that you're going to see with acute pericarditis are specific to the ST segment, um, which they'll have a little bit of elevation with the onset of that inflammation. And then atrial fibrillation is also fairly common with these patients. When they have that chronic pericarditis, the chronic constrictive pericarditis of that pericarditis, 
pericardium has been inflamed for a long period of time. It's become thickened and the heart is having a harder time of accommodating the blood flow. These patients also might have signs of like a right ventricular failure in in chronic pericarditis because the fluid can't get in and out of the heart appropriately. So that's what these people are going to look like and that's how they're going to present. What are we going to do about it as a nurse? This is the eye of the pie. We just talked about their presentation. So now what are we going to do to intervene before we evaluate whether or not it worked? What are we going to do about it? What we're going to do about it is if you remember, you know, they have increased pain when they're lying flat because the inflamed tomato inside their cage falls to the back of their spine and rubs up against the, the posterior aspect of their body. So one thing that we're going to do is place these people in a high Fowler's position, like completely sitting upright and often actually leaning forward because leaning forward takes the pressure off of the backside of the heart because that pericardium, again, is attached to the back. So if we can lean forward and shift that tomato forward a little bit, then they won't be nearly as painful. The other thing that you're going to want to do is give them oxygen. It's okay. It's not going to hurt them unless they also have raging COPD. And if that's the case, that's really the only time in my history that I'm ever super cautious is raging COPD, be careful with oxygen, and pediatric patients with congenital heart defects, be careful with oxygen. But in pericarditis, give them the oxygen. And then we want to relieve their pain somehow. Now, because this is an inflammatory process, the first approach that we use for the treatment of pain with, with analgesia of any sort is an NSAID, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication like ibuprofen or naproxen. So if you're in nursing school and you happen to have a nursing school test question about pericarditis and this patient's pain is super bad, what are you going to give them? And they give you two narcotic options. They give you, a, you know, an anti-emetic option and then they throw in like Tordal or ibuprofen. I can guarantee you that even if their pain is an 8 out of 10, the treatment of choice is going to be the ibuprofen because it is an inflammatory issue. The narcotics will help, yeah, sure, but it's not going to help to reduce the inflammatory process, which an anti-inflammatory will. And then the other medication that we can also give are corticosteroids like prednisone. So make sure you medicate them in that approach. And then listen to their heart and see if you can hear the pericardial friction rub. If we think that it has been caused, ultimately, in order to treat this issue, we need to identify the cause and treat that. So if we think that it was caused by some sort of bacterial infection, you would give them uh, antibiotics. If you think that it was caused um, by some sort of cardiac tamponade, uh, you should be draining the fluid around the heart so that the heart can actually beat. So you identify the cause of the pericarditis and what was the original culprit behind the initiation of that inflammatory process and then treat that. From a nursing perspective, like the big things are going to be sit these patients upright, lean them forward. If they've got pericarditis and you are going in to assess them, lean them forward to be able to hear for that pericardial friction rub in forms of medication. Give them oxygen, give them an anti-inflammatory, give them corticosteroids. Now, Ultimately, like if the acute pericarditis doesn't resolve and they end up with chronic pericarditis and that pericardium becomes routinely thickened and inflamed, there's a few different options that they can do. So they can do um, a pericardectomy, 
for chronic pericarditis where they basically go in and they remove the pericardium. Patients can live without a pericardium. It's not required. It's just helpful in the form of infection prevention. So it puts these individuals at higher risk for infection down the road, but at least their heart will be beating and not constricted by an inflamed pericardium. The other big surgical treatment that they can do for chronic pericarditis is a pericardial window procedure, and that's where they make a surgical incision in the pericardium to basically decompress the constrictive nature of it. Um, But ultimately, that's not a guarantee and a pericardectomy might be necessary. And then the only other things are, from a nursing perspective, if you've got a patient with pericarditis, you've sat them up right, you've given them oxygen, you've medicated them, you've given them the NSAIDs and the steroids. The only other big thing is to basically watch for signs of cardiac tamponade if it is an acute version of the pericarditis. I mean, even the chronic version, you want to keep an eye on that and notify the provider if you think that's developing. So that's basically it for pericarditis in a nutshell. That's the nitty gritty of it. Hopefully it was helpful. If not, sorry. Uh, Go forth and keep on learning. Have a great day.